We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Bang, 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 bang. Hello and welcome to episode 52 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Live. We've reached a year! Woo! And we've yay! been on, yay! Except we've been on for like two shit. <laughs> oh well, whatever. Um, so, uh, I am Nick Voodoo, I'm your host this week. Thank you for downloading, but there's something we have to correct and we're going to get to that really soon if you listen to this episode of We're Live. But first... I'm going to introduce you to my guest host from a land down under. Hooray, down under peoples. Uh, I'm going to introduce you first to Cupcake Zombie. Hello. I'm not Hello. exactly from the land down under, but I am from New Zealand. You are, you are close-ish. You're across that, like, you're, it's, it's the you're across one. the dateline. Yeah, you're across the dateline. So, how is the future? Please tell the world. It's pretty. It's pretty cloudy. Well, we, we, yeah, we're <laughs> under pretty strict instructions not to tell you guys, actually. Oh. So many cool things happen, but yep, we're we're not allowed. Oh, we get booted out in New Zealand and Australia if that happens. Oh, son of a bitch! Well, look on the bright side. At least you're gonna get the Mayan 2012 thing before everyone else. So, good for you, I guess. No time to panic. Uh, no time to panic at all. Uh, well, I'll have plenty of time to panic because I'm about 18 hours ahead of you or behind you. Excuse me. Uh, I'm also joined by Devilish Pizza from the forum, also known as James. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys. Hey guys. Um. So before we go into the normal stuff, one very, very big important thing that has to get cleared up and clarified right away, at the if you downloaded the original episode from about the area of probably 12 o'clock Eastern Time to about 3 o'clock Eastern Time, you got incorrect information and needs to be corrected now. The There is no such thing as December 8th this year uh, on, on Wednesday. So if you're trying to find the We're Life finale on Wednesday, December 8th, Good luck, because it doesn't exist. So it is Wednesday, December 5th, uh, and it's been corrected, so if you download it after the fact, you heard Lizzie and then you heard Michael Swan tell you about it. December 5th, Wednesday, 6 o'clock Pacific time, we're doing a live show of uh, We're Not Dead to lead into it. We're hearing the show, we have a little a little bit of post-show afterwards to uh, digest, and um, that will be the triumphant return of Brittany Brommerocker-Rocker to the podcast. Yay. So you'll be able to hear Brittany. So if you are sick of me... Which, I don't blame you. I get sick of me, too. Um, but Brittany will be back on that show. It'll be me and Brittany. Uh, and we will lead you into the, uh, to the, to the live streaming finale of Season 3 of We're Alive. And then we'll talk about it afterwards. Our minds will be blown. And it'll be awesome sauce. So, now, if you don't want to listen to me anymore, that's sad because there's two really awesome people on the line. And they probably want you to listen to them. But I, I guess skip over me when I'm talking. Otherwise, moving along. So, guys and gal, uh, when did you start listening to We're Alive? I'll let you go first. So, Ladies first. Yep, I I, I started, um, I think, around the same time as Nick, so um, late 2010, um, when I think uh, Michael and Pegs were heading to the colony. Yep. Um, I, for, for once, didn't come from either random searches in iTunes or Greg Miller, um, okay. one of my best friends brothers had been listening to the podcast, recommended it to her, and she recommended it to me. Now, here, here's the sort of string theory to that. Who did your friends find it from, do you know? Because if that goes back to, to Zombie Search or Greg Miller, it's sort of the same thing. It's kind of like, 
if you have sex with someone you've had sex with other people they've yeah, had sex with? Maybe. He's a bit of a he's a big math geek, so maybe mm. he heard from from online things. I'm not sure where he heard from. Yeah. But I personally personally came from somewhere different. Well, that's cool. Um, and James, what about you? When did you start listening? I started about the same time as well. I um oh, really? I, I was kinda of bad with the way I started. I started about when I should have been studying for my end of year exams for university, my first yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> I started so yeah, about re- November twenty ten, I think it was. And then I caught up to current time, which was about chapter sixteen in about a week and a half, I think. Yeah. And so I've been on weekly yeah. listenings for since yeah, late November twenty ten. Excellent. Um, so cool. That's that's awesome. All three of us came in right around the same time. Yeah. Yay, we're alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, late twenty ten. You've got a lot of we're alive listeners then. Or at least three. Um, so who are your favorite characters? And let's go reverse order this time. James, who is your favorite character? Who do you love? Favorite character it used to be Datu before um before Victor showed up and now Victor's okay. become amazing and yeah, I can't not love Victor. No, I was getting concerned because, as you've heard before, if you listen to the podcast, I start to disinvite people if they start bad-mouthing King Datu the Resourceful, <laughs> but Victor's a, no, Victor is a decent, uh, understandable replacement to Datu. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I got into Datu because of um, per- the whole Purgatory chapter and Samantha and right. everything, and started feeling really sympathetic towards Datu, but then, you know, Victor. Victor, Victor, yeah, Victor. That's- that's when I started liking Datu too, but that's also because that's when I thought he was the rat. So I was I was throwing myself out there and it didn't work. Um, what about Victor? Is it just the the one-liners? The what about him that makes you happy? Yeah, the one-liners and his accent helps a lot. And then obviously the odd bit of Spanish, the little bit that I can't understand. I like to pretend that he says crazy stuff instead, <laughs> just right. uttering gibberish. Uh, Cupcake Zombie, who is your favorite character? Oh, well, I've got I've got two. My um, one of my favourites is Pegs. I love Pegs. She gets a lot of bad rap around on the forum. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that she does. I think it's endearing that she stood up for what she believed in. And you know, when the chips are down, she's there. She's never let people down. You know, she accidentally knocked a, a flower pot off the side. I'd probably do something twice as bad, and the whole entire tower would fall. Not just most <laughs> of it. Um, <laughs> Um, and I really love Victor, so I am really gunning for a Victor Pegs romance. You know, oh, after the wee trip okay. out to the airport and the the wee um, Victor trying to find out how the ground lay, and now that Michael's out of the picture, it's it's going to be all on. Well, apparently you may have also to deal with Robins if that theory holds true too. So that that's a lot of that's a lot of people to weed through to get to your Victor Pegs romance. Oh, I yeah, see. and I mean Brit. Brit's, Brit's going to be looking after Michael, so that's fine. Mm-hmm. Nurse Brit, she'll, she'll, she'll be there consoling Michael, so he won't be too upset. And I, I just think, yeah, Victor Pegg's romance, that'll be amazing. Can, can we just all for a moment, because uh, you know Nurse Brit's somewhere on the front lines right now, and she could very well be dead. I think that we may just have to hold a, a moment of silence. We may have to hold a moment of silence with Brit on the air with us. To, to mourn her death in a very meta, weird kind of way. <laughs> You're sec- secretly hoping for that, aren't you, Nick? I am now, yes. I hadn't even thought of it until just this moment. I, com- <laughs> I uh, Britt, I love you. I had completely forgotten that you were on the show, and I forgot that Nurse Britt character existed. Uh, but now that I remember, I so want you to die. I want you dead <laughs> in Chapter 36. Please make this happen. 
Um, and nothing well, personal. Well, Neem, they'll need a new um, medical personnel. I mean, Tanya can't do it all, so uh, Nurse Voodoo. Exactly. Oh, nurse Voodoo? <laughs> Soul, scrub me up. Put a little hat on me. I'll look, up, I'll look great. And I will also die in Chapter 36, and I'll love every second of it. Um, okay, so we've got the characters you love. Who do you hate? Uh, and let's go back to James. Uh, I can never really decide who I hate. It's probably... Probably Kemet at the moment because okay. he's a real douchebag, and he um <laughs> like and his just uncanny hate for Michael at the moment. You know, yeah. in the latest episode when he just yeah oh cross what are you doing <clears throat> just starts yelling yeah. at him kind of kind of unreasonably. Yeah, upper military. There's no such thing as unreasonable to them because they don't answer to anybody, especially now that he's the head honcho. He really doesn't answer to anybody, yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely agree. The way that he, uh, the way that the actor is portraying Kimmet, uh, it sounds absolutely genuine, and it really uh, he gets my blood boiling every time he yells at Michael because it just sounds so like ah, stop yeah. it, you you big meanie, just you stop it. <laughs> um, uh, so cupcake, who don't you like? Who do you want to stab in the throat? Yeah, I'm gonna have to jump on the anti-scratch bandwagon. Alright. Um, oh, after what? my girl pigs. <laughs> She's after my girl pigs, and I just, I just can't abide by that. Fair enough. Uh, uh, it's perfectly acceptable to not like scratch. I, uh, um, I'd love to hate scratch so much that it's come back around. I just straight up love her again. She's, uh, she's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it is love hate. I, I love her part on the show, and I love the work she, that she does. But the character itself, no. Yeah, it's no, it's not the, my cup of tea. You you love to hate her. It's that sort of thing. You just love how evil and devilish she can be, and then you hate her for because it, it's just so horrible the things that she's capable of doing. Oh, um, so <laughs> uh, so now, what has been your favorite chapter? We now have thirty five in the book. Which of them stands out to you? And we'll go to Cupcake first. Um, I'm I still really love going back to the war. Um. And or both sort of wars on the tower, so the war one and then the fall of the tower, um, both such game changers. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see things. Um, the first war where you know everything went um, to dust and then came back up, and then um, the second one and how people changed. I, I mean, I loved pigs in that episode. So mm-hmm. um, with my fang, my fangirling on pigs and and the strength she showed, but just that everyone. Yeah, changed everything up, and then there was the anticipation afterwards for the next season, so it was really good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and James, favorite uh, chapter? I, it's tough because of all the amazing chapters in the last few months, but um, mm-hmm. I'd probably have to say the Road to Living Death, the one where Angel, Riley, and Datu are going to try and save Michael and going to the they end up at the what's it the arena. Yeah, because I just love yeah. the the atmosphere of that episode when they're just walking through the streets and the you know you, I can pretty much see tumbleweeds just rolling through the streets <laughs> as they're walking down them, just completely deserted. And of course, that's when we first meet Skittles. Oh, and yeah, Skittles. He's yeah, Skittles. I, I, I like to picture if there was a zombie apocalypse, I'd be the Skittles type to you know go crazy and still outlive everyone just somehow by myself. I'm very I'm very interested to know what the fuck's up with Skittles right now, because man, where are you at, dude? It's been a while. We want to see you. Everyone has a very unhealthy obsession with you on the forum. They think that you're like Superman or something. <laughs> I love Skittles, actually. That's another of my favorites. Yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. And Bob Berger is just 
a god. Should I should I know who Bob Bergen is? He is the guy that plays Skittles. Uh, uh, he's also yeah, the guy no, that plays outside of We're Alive. Uh, he is the current voice of Porky Pig. All oh, right, Lane. Yeah. So if you are listening to anything that looks like Looney Tunes but is a little too modern and a little too weird and oddly enough. Strangely enough, the modern Looney Tunes are so much more violent than the ones I grew up with. Like, you never saw the characters actually physically well, punching each other. Yeah. You just well, we, we found some of the kids' stuff we used to watch, which is a lot of British things, but things like Sissy and Sweet, so any um, UK people out there all know. And we found one in the video shop years ago, of course being a video shop, and we watched it. It was incredibly violent. They hit each other over the head for no reason and things, and we're like... Can't believe my parents let me watch this. Well, it, this is, by the way, the strangest tangent I think we've taken on the show, and we've taken a lot of them. <laughs> but that was because I was very interested once I learned that Bob was Porky Pig. That I started, I like went over to like Cartoon Network in the states, and I was watching it, and it was I was like, wow, like it's not even like it's obviously it's cartoony violence, violence. So it's not like you know you punch someone and like your hand hurts and you've broken their jaw and there's blood and whatever it's still cartoony but it's like wow you know elmer fudd had a gun blow up in his face once or twice but it was blacked out by a big pow and i never saw it and i never saw bugs bunny actually physically punch him in the mouth except no. you know that didn't and i know it happened like once or twice but there was like a knockdown drag out fight between yosemite sam and bugs bunny and they were like <laughs> trying to break each other's necks and it was weird. And I was yeah, like, that is weird. I, I miss my anvils. Where's the anvil, damn it? Where's the Acme rocket? Okay. 35-3, the end is near. And again, you guys know the deal. If you have something you want to cut in on, do so. Saul, I, I can help. Stay in the hospital. Don't let her leave. Move the rest of the engine in there and seal off the room. Saul is leaving the hospital and tells Lizzie to stay, uh, stay behind. Victor asks for a report, and they are told the zombies are surrounding the walls on all sides. Saul says this place was attacked before and stood up to it, but Victor reminds him not by the behemoths. A radio report says that they have made the Molotovs. Victor reminds Saul some of the walls have wood in them, and they might catch fire. Saul says it would not be the first time. He calls on the radio and tells them to be careful where they use them. Victor shows Saul the pipe bombs that they found at Tardis' house and said they only have ten of them. Think they work? I don't know why not. The armory is now completely wiped out of everything except for very small arms. Bert joins them and Saul tells him to go back inside. Bert says no. No, really. Bert said no to something that Saul said. Hmm, weird. Um, another radio report saying the zombies are coming. That more zombies are coming, excuse me. Bert would prefer they were scratching at the gate. They call Glenn to see how the repair is coming. Glenn, how's that sap phone coming? I can't rush this. I melt the chip and it's done. Saul kindly tells him to hurry the fuck up. Bert wonders uh, if there's a back door to escape. As if the explanation of no wasn't enough, Lenny, a non-entity of a colonist, jumps the wall trying to escape and gets ripped apart, which we hear in glorious radio detail. Uh, Bert concludes that running isn't an option. Slowly but without well, surely, surely, Bert, Saul, and Victor climb to a guard position on the wall. Coughing of a colonist can be heard in the background. We'll talk about that later. Saul describes the scene. He can see a huge mass of the zombies by the police station as well as two behemoths. Victor doesn't understand how they're not attacking. They go silent and they hear slow growls and surmise without saying it that the zombies are communicating. Saul wants to see the guy with the beard, but he's on the other side. Bert says he's seen worse. Saul asks when. Bert can't think of it off the top of his head. Bert asks for a shotgun from a guard. They wonder if they can escape in the SWAT van. Oh, something that was interesting there was... um. Bird asking for the gun and saying that he'll try shooting with his left hand. So that 
Um, I remember when he lost his finger and everyone was wondering how well he'd be able to shoot yes. without his trigger finger. Seems to be that he's not so practiced on the other hand. Not so practiced. I mean, it's also obviously it's his weak hand, so it's not something that he's going to do uh, very often. And um, It was nice, nice to sort of get it answered pretty early. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, I think he's a competition shooter, so in theory he should be able to do it left-handed, but at the same time... Um, or at least I think he's a competition shooter. I may be fucking that little fat Yeah, no, he, was, he yeah. was a competition shooter. Okay, good. I wanted to, I'm glad I'm not crazy. Um, but, you know, obviously he's better right-handed than he is left-handed. Uh, let's see. They wonder if they can escape in a SWAT van, uh, but realize that not all of them would escape. Victor says if it comes, comes down to it, to it... I think you and Lizzie should go. What? No. Why them? It's better that way. Glenn is heard trying to find a signal for the phone. You get it working? I don't know. Well, move, move. Hey, try up here. They tell him to come up on the wall. Glenn says to be careful. Saul says they have three bars of service, and they press redial. Saul tries to place a call and gives his location and that they need help because it's under attack. The phone shorts out and is now dead. Glenn says he can't fix it. They wonder if anyone on the other end heard anything, but the gate begins to open, and the SWAT van is being stolen by what Saul describes as a dead man. Someone's got the SWAT van! Who? A fucking dead man. They rush over to try and stop the van when Bert sees the one with the markings by the police station. Victor says the zombies are coming. He calls on the radio saying to keep the zombies outside the wall. Right, Saul? To which Saul answers, sure, whatever. We're fucking close now! They're advancing forward of zombies and behemoth and behemoths and the sound of crunching metal as the scene shifts back to Fort Irwin, where we pick up where we left off with the sat phone ringing. This time we hear Saul speaking what he said at the colony. Michael keeps trying to get his attention, but the call drops. They try to call back, but are unsuccessful. Puck asks, where are they? Michael sa- explains quickly that about the colony, but says he and Kim have thought it best to leave them alone. They receive a report that the checkpoints are being hit and or unresponsive. Bradley tanks, in air quotes, because Casey clarified this later, are, ter- are tearing the zombies up, and Kimmet says, of course they are. He orders the infantry behind all of the tanks in support of them. Kimmet tells Michael to deploy the Cody, and also to equip the front line with CS gas and masks. Michael says it may not last. Reports of more boulder survivors are coming in to distract Michael, but Kimmet yells at him to get moving. Kimmet tells Puck to put the Blackhawk in the air. Michael leaves to see Datu at the Pelican, who is still repairing it. Robbins and the Blackhawk pilot, Muldoon, ask Michael where's their Blackhawk. Datu complains that Hope isn't able to can- correct him correctly hand him the tools. Robbins does, and Datu gets back to work. Michael tells Saul and Victor uh, are alive and back at the colony. Michael needs them to load up the helicopter and get to Tanya at her checkpoint. Datu complains that Tanya looked at him while naked. She had to look at me. Yeah, well, she's a doctor, okay? Get over it. Robbins asks again, where's the Blackhawk? And Michael says Kimmet sent it out. Datu asks uh, if Michael told Riley about uh, Saul. Muldoon asks why they didn't wait for him, and it's his chopper. Michael ignores him and says he didn't see Riley yet. Robbins and Muldoon help Michael load the Cody into the chopper and ask what are they going to do now. Michael asks if they can fly the Pelican. Robin says he was trained to f- uh, fly his Blackhawk. Well, I don't know this thing. I was trained on my Blackhawk. You may want to work on enunciating that a little bit better. <laughs> there is nothing like a dick joke. Muldoon says that he can fly it. Robin says he'll try to, but makes no promises. Datu promises to get it fixed. Michael leaves to go to checkpoint two. Uh, I didn't put it in here, but um, the the Muldoon. Well, I'll be fine on the ground. You, on the other hand, you're pretty much fucked. 
But um, did Michael get to the checkpoint by a car or walking, or did he get a helicopter? Or uh, should should be in a Hummer, I believe. Uh, some some ground vehicle. Right. Uh, it did sound like he was saying that he needs to load up the helicopter to fly to the checkpoint, which is what I was thinking originally. And I was like, that makes no sense. The helicopter is not fixed yet. You can't fly in it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that got me a little bit as well. Uh, we get to the checkpoint. And Tanya is checking a female who is anxiously trying to get through her exam because the zombies are just over the hill. Carl tells people that pass to get a gun. Tanya asks if that's wise, and he says that everyone in uh, Irwin, everyone at Carl in Boulder had received training. Michael arrives and tells Tanya Saul is alive. Tanya gets all jittery and tells and Carl tells them to focus. Tanya starts her next exam. Michael pulls Carl aside to ask if anyone on his list arrived. I know who you're looking for, but I haven't seen them. Datu and Hope came through, but that's it. Uh, yeah, they're at the chopper. We hear an examiner in the background ask a man if he's okay, but he's not. He is turned, and he gets put down by Michael. Tanya says that's the second one. However, this time, there's a commotion, and uh, there's a panic, and the remaining survivors push through the checkpoint in a stampede. Michael calls Puck and is told the front line is breaking. They figured out how to tear into the tank. Carl and Michael see the horde. Carl asks if there's anything they can do. Hearing no response from Michael, he calls for everyone to run. Michael says there's too many. Run! Run! And dun, dun, blackout. Dun. Um, so, what did you guys think? I thought the the end of the like the cliffhanger on from the photo and people's side it, it felt a bit off compared to the rest of the cliffhangers. It kind of the episode kind of just ended. You didn't like the you didn't like the ch- the the running away for your life aspect the, the like chase me chase me away. Yeah, like I just I, I don't know. I felt weird that the episode it didn't really feel like much of a cliffhanger compared to what else has been done recently. Yeah. You know, with the well, CJ think, almost dying and such. Right. I guess rather with the rather than a cliffhanger to me, it just feels like thirty six is just gonna escalate from there. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's a good point, Tim, where you don't know what's going on, and, and I imagine 36 is just going to shoot exponentially out from there, that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, to me it makes perfect sense, because what you're ultimately looking at is now we have, uh, we already knew that Erwin was under attack. Um, we now know the colony's under attack, because the escaping of the, the SWAT vehicle is what prompts the zombies to come. Um, we've... Irwin has been under attack, but it's been on the periphery, and now it's getting past the checkpoints. It's getting to Irwin proper. So it's the setup for the zombie war that is coming in Chapter 36. Unless, for some reason, we go to somewhere else of characters we've never heard of, sort of like a South Park thing, which I think would cause a riot. Um, so other than the ending, uh, Cupcake, what did you think of the episode? Um, I Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's nice to see... Um, the storylines come back to the same point in time um, where we know they're at the same point in time. Um, we can see, there's, I mean, there's so many ways that 36, that 36 can potentially go from here. You know, are, are we going to stay with two separate storylines? Are they going to be able to come back together? If they come back together, obviously it's probably going to be the colony because um, Saul and Matt don't know, where, don't know that necessarily that anyone's at Irwin. Mm-hmm. But even then, that's where they think, you know, could they pass over and mid-run, meet halfway? They're just, you know, with both 
um, areas in danger. There's just so much that can happen, so it's pretty cool. Right, and I mean, the colony is basically fucked. It's surrounded. There's no real escaping from that, and they, I think they did a very good point of proving that. At least Irwin has a place to move to, and they have some flexibility in terms of how they can get around. But the colony's surrounded, so they're basically fucked, except unless there's some sort of intervention. Because I don't think they have enough bullets, they don't have enough ammunition, or and they don't have anything that can really repel this horde that's coming from them at both sides. One presumably led by Randy, one presumably led by the one with the markings. That that They are so fucked right now, I can't imagine how they get out of this. Yeah, I'm, I'm predicting either next episode, like at the very end, or a couple of episodes into the next season, I'm predicting a mass mass movement to st- people starting to live in Dunbar apartments again. Yeah, I think that Dunbar is the only place we know right now that is safe. Yeah. Although the, we know the one with markings already gotten in there, in there once, so he may know how to get in there again. But Dunbar is definitely a place to head to. Yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot of places left at this point in time. Um, definitely not. That. Yeah, that we have any idea of where they can go to, and there's no plans for anywhere else. So this is sort of, um, except for right at the start of the season, this is the first time there isn't a plan, you right. know, that, that we know of. There might be something um, that the people in Fort Irwin have as a contingency, but really, <laughs> we, we know what the, the contingency is. Well, sorry, you go. Kaboom. Yeah. That's the contingency yeah, plan right now at Irwin is, is nuke. Um, so let, let's go location by location. Let's start at the colony because there's a little bit more theory work to do there as opposed to just straight up guessing at Irwin. Um, there's been proposals on the forum that Randy and the one with the markings are opposing forces. Um, and that, you know, the one with markings has his little ones. Randy has somehow taken control of the behemoths. It is noted that the behemoths are seen at the police station, and then the one with the markings is also seen there. So I'm not sure, or maybe I'm confusing that. Um, but what do you guys t- make of the idea that the one with the markings and Randy have somehow found the colony, and they want to, and they're going to have a war, and these guys are going to be stuck in the middle of it? I I like the idea of there being two zombie forces like opposing enemies, but I mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that they it's just they're all working together with. The one with markings being the big boss man, and then Randy, if it's Randy, being his right hand man, organizing yeah. the other side. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I, I, it would be quite cool to see an all-out zombie war, but the fact that they're both converging, converging, and probably one of the closest areas with ready food might be just that they're there to surround them and get the food. I mean, LA now must be wiped out, pretty much yeah. of people. Um, so this is probably the closest source of fresh food. Right, and if that's the case, then that's that would be that could be a check mark in the column for its opposing forces. Randy is trying to provide for his people. The one with the marking is trying to provide for his people, and Pete's the idiot mm-hmm. that brought them all there. Um, so you know it, that's again, we definitely don't have information enough information to really closely guess what it is. But I like the idea. I I really do like the idea of opposing forces warring over their food. I just don't know how that would manifest itself in terms of yeah, a, that, that, in terms the of the issue I have with it um, rather than sort of being a general. You know, it was it was 
it's hard enough to get to a point where there's, there is a charged zombie and then to sort of develop multiple charged zombies and then, you know, have all of that. I mean, maybe maybe it's within and fits with how everything's come along. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see and, you know, maybe 36 will start to get some answers towards that so that, you know, season four they can look for solutions and way to, ways to get out of it. With the, you mentioned the coughing before, coughing yes, in the background. That, I, that was the definite next time. At first, topic. I thought, the first time I listened, I thought, like, the zombies were somehow standing around and generating the same gas or whatever was in the air back mm-hmm. in, um, where, where were the cracks? What's the place called? Englewood. Yeah. Um, mm. but, like, somehow the zombies were generating the same mm-hmm. gas and then flooding the people and going to screw them up with that. But then... I think I only heard Bert coughing. It, I'm trying to identify yeah. who it was. I know that Victor coughed. There's another person that coughs, but I don't think it was him. I think it was another colonist on the wall. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's what what time of the... Because it's coming into winter there in the Northern Hemisphere. Luckily for us, it's in summer. Anyway. <laughs> lucky um, lucky um, coming you. Into winter Thanks there, for so It's going to be cold air outside. And, I mean, Bert's just been stuck inside you know, kept inside for how many months with no food and water, of course, when he walks, he's yeah. going to be, you know, the different right. ear. Yeah, I was assuming he's going to cough. Bert was just coughing because he's ill. Yeah, I, there, yeah. someone someone posted, I did, I'm pretty sure I took um, a little snapshot of this, so I'll probably get to the person's name later. Um, uh, someone posted on the forum that I think it was Casey's way of portraying weary soldiers on the wall. Like they yeah. they've been stressed out for the last twenty four hours since the appearance of the behemoth. Like remember, the colonists have never seen these things before. Yeah, they're terrifying to people and know what they can do. Like Saul and Victor and Michael and Pegs and you know everyone that's experienced those things before. Um, they don't know what the, the colonists don't know what those things are capable of. They can presume because they probably may have heard a story or you know saw that they're fourteen feet tall and look like a freaking tank. Um, but you know. That, that's 24 hours of stress and worry that they have to go through now, and they have never experienced anything like this. Yeah, and I mean, even even though they've had a bit of time to get used to be, there being zombies around, suddenly the game changes up again. Right. You know, you, you can hear the stories of what it's like somewhere else, but when you see things like that, you know, it, it is. It, it sort of probably knocks, will knock a lot of them to six much like the start, you know, Lenny probably wouldn't have jumped over the wall if it was just normal zombies. Right. Okay, so the coughing. Um, something that I had brought up in the podcast last week and said I was going to get to it, and I was going to get to it, and I was going to get to it, and then we never went back to Bert. Um, so I have Bert Crow to eat. I have a lot of Bert Crow to eat, probably. Because um, I've been saying that Bert's going to die. And he still has the chance, because he is weak and has a shotgun and he can only shoot left-handed. Um, but I think that I have Bert Crow to eat because um, now that uh, he and Saul have uh, evened everything out, yeah, no blaze of glory saving Saul and Lizzie, yeah, yeah, I I've lost my really strong reason to to have Bert well, die. Yeah, and I guess you know we're back to to where it sort of was at the start that you know now that that sort of issue's over, it's Bert finding another reason, and now it's not because of Shirley um, or because of, you know, um, Saul and Lizzie, it's finding a way forward for himself and 
in what he's going to be able to do. So it cer- it certainly seems like I was wrong, and that the path of Bert and Scratch are a lot more intertwined than I wanted to believe. I thought it was just coincidental, and it's looking like it's not. It's looking like it's very intertwined. And now I can see a lot of satisfaction in Bert killing Scratch. We did just discuss that um, with the potential um, of Victor or Bert to go down in Blaze of Glory to get Saul and Lizzie out. Um, I can't see Saul and Lizzie not getting out of this. No, definitely not. Um, I I agree. and, And either of them would be ones that would, you know, take the stand and and let them out and, yeah. If I were to guess at a blaze of glory going down right now, um, I would have to guess Victor. Yeah. Which I know is unfortunate, but... No! I know. Not Victor! I know. But, hey, everyone's, like, favorite character is Bird or Victor now at this point. Hmm. You gotta kill one of them off. Can't let both of them live. I was just thinking before, um, if the if the zombies make it into the colony, I can't think of any way that Miss Bumleg CJ won't. I can't think of how she would be able to make it out alive. I could, I can see her going in a blaze of glory to save them without, you know, not being able to get anywhere with her bum leg. Yeah, and that would be terrible because yeah, she's mm. she's the other great one now. Just yeah, CJ's uh, a very very great character. I would like to see her live a little bit longer simply because I want to see her have to deal with a handicap such as having lost her leg. Which, again, we don't know that's necessarily happened. Saul might have pushed out and not done it. But I really don't think that's the case. Um, yeah. It, it sort of harkens back. I'm not sure on this because, I mean, I know that Casey has said in an interview somewhere or on the forums that, um, you know, overweight people or um, children, um, particularly because they're so young and, and, and have problems, you know, aren't likely to survive Mm -hmm. so you know there's a reason there's not a lot of those characters and so it's interesting to put you know we had Saul but he was inside um you know in the face of this place going down we've got not only someone with a bung leg that you know needs to come off but we've got a pregnant lady to get out um amongst others and amongst you know really terrified people probably people coming back to how they're feeling in day one yeah um Mm -hmm. with this craziness going on Okay, so that, I think, is a pretty conclusive conversation on the colony, at least. Um, but So what about Irwin? Where do you think uh, they're... I mean, we know that they're sitting on a bomb. They, we know they're sitting on a very big bomb. Um, and we know that all their defenses are failing against this army of little ones. Potentially this army of little ones. We don't know if it's actually true. Um, what? Where do you think they go? Do they retreat in? Do they take a fight? Do they just say, "Fuck it, I'm calling the number." Boom, beep, boom. I I can't see the nuke not going off. Like, I agree. I, yeah, it's there. It's yeah. the only way to get rid of all of those inklings. Yeah, and like hardcore. I'm pretty sure it was hardcore that said, and I mentioned it on the on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there there is a gun on the mantle. If it doesn't go off, uh, why bother having it? We know there's a bomb. It's got to go off. Yeah. Or it's got to, or yeah, it's got to get it, taken and brought somewhere so it can be set off later. That would be okay too. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I don't have enough of the picture of Irwin in my head to know where they can go. We know they're they're at a checkpoint um, where there's obviously you know some gates, but you know how much further can they get? You know how much of these people broken down? Is it going to be sort of a mad dash to get out of there, similar to um, day one in LA? You know. 
yeah. hold up somewhere till things die down. But then, you know, is that too late? Um, I can't really see them going anywhere other than the colony. I mean, we haven't, as I said earlier, we haven't heard of any contingency plans for where they'll go, I guess, besides Boulder, but that's <laughs> clearly out of the... <laughs> that is an irradiated problem at the moment. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I I mean, the Irwin question is interesting because uh, if Kimmet survives long enough to still stay in control, he knows the story from Michael. He may not want to go to the colony despite the fact that Saul is there and Victor is there and Michael knows this. Um, so he may force them to go to L.A. So maybe he goes back to out of nowhere because nowhere, nowhere that he knows is safe because the last place that he knew about in L.A. was out by the coast and his people got attacked and killed and then they killed Boulder and then we're here where we are now. Um, so there's nowhere safe for them, really, that they know they can go. No, I mean, they nearly cleared out Barstow, was it? Or was it somewhere else? Uh, yes, near, um, near Barstow they'd almost cleared out. But that's just like a fallback yeah. position from Irwin, where they could take like a last yeah. stand, I think. I don't know. And we know that the Inklings have the capability to follow them yep. all the way there. Mm-hmm. So. That it's, it is setting up to be, Casey said when we did the interview for the 100th episode, that from this point on, it's going to be just moving, and it's going to be non-stop, and it's not going to stop until the season finale, and he didn't lie. It, it's been going non-stop for the last, like, two and a half chapters. So... Yeah. Like, it... That man sure knows how to deliver on his promises. <laughs> this is one promise that maybe he shouldn't have. This is... I'm, I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm physically stressed from this show now. Um, I know, and in the the season finale is on during work time for us. Yes, I know. Um, that's so that's I have to work out. Cause talk to my boss, get the morning off, because otherwise I just won't be able to concentrate. Can't do it. Says, yeah, that that would be six o'clock Pacific time, which puts it nine o'clock Eastern time, puts it like what one, like one twelve, twelve o'clock for you, eleven thirty in the morning, yes. in the middle of the day, three o'clock. In yeah, the it's this is like yes, mid afternoon on a Thursday. For three you. o'clock in the afternoon for me. Okay, right. Yeah, because I remember the last, the season two finale was at about three or four in the morning for us. Oh, wow. Yeah, I tried to stay up for it, and yeah, I we... I think I fell asleep just after um, Fake Lizzie happened. Fake Lizzie got shot at the yeah golf course, and we, yeah, that was, that was annoying. We got, we got up early, and... Yeah, we got up early and had a wear live breakfast party. Uh, it was pretty awesome. That is that is awesome. Got my friends down here. I uh, was had some crepes. Working on one of the last shows that I am probably ever going to end up working on as a stage manager, and man, you know what is awesome about being able to set your own schedule is you can schedule your lunch. <laughs> you can schedule your lunch break to be at one o'clock, exactly at one o'clock when the when when the episode starts. Uh, so that happened, and I did that, and I got away with it, and no one ever knew. Unless they listen to this podcast now. Um, so let's get to some forum posts. Uh, there's a lot of new people uh, that have entered the forum now. Uh, again, www.zombiepodcast.com. If you register at the front page, you are registered for the forum. You can the, Your account goes joint across both. So Fred Rum, which kind of reminds you of Red Rum, is a new uh, poster. So I'm guessing Erwin gets overrun and Michael has to escape on the Pelican and someone gets left behind. Michael goes to the colony thinking it's safe, as he didn't hear that part of Saul's message saying that they were under attack. He gets there, the shit hits the fan, and the beautiful giant cliffhanger-inducing chaos ensues. So yes, that is a good point that he brought up, which I don't think I covered in the uh, recap, is that Michael didn't hear the part where they're under attack and they need help. He just heard, I'm at the colony, and then the the phone cut off. Yeah. I I can't... I mean, I don't know that it'll be um, Datu and Hope again, 
um, that we, just because we've we've seen their two-man comedy traveling show before. So my guess is Tanya or Riley, who we have no idea where Riley is. But then you know the the Riley scratch thing. I I just yeah really my thought train went nowhere there. Sorry. That's okay. I do that all the time, and usually I have someone to bail me out, like I just did for you. So no worries. Um, again, I really wish Riley would be the one that ends Scratch, but I'm really starting to feel like this is uh, my season three version of Datu is the rat. Uh, it's not looking good. Uh, hardcore. Um, did anyone else uh, perk up when Kimmet was yelling that he didn't care who flew the Black Hawk? I know it's a long shot that Pegs could have been there to fly it or that she could fly it, but I'm starting to think Casey put references in there just to torture us with the possibility. Um, so do you think that Pegs has gotten there and processed through everyone that has Michael looking for him, or her, excuse me, that was rude, um, uh, to make her be the uh, helicopter pilot? I can't see that happening. It sounds like Carl was looking out for her. Yeah, it sounds way too far-fetched. Or the name, at least. Yeah, um, I would agree. Uh, possible. It is definitely very, very possible because... It would be awesome. It would be awesome to know that she is alive. I'd love to see uh, pigs come down with the Black Hawk and just you know, just hovering a meter or two above the ground with someone in the side, the door gunner, mowing down a bunch of Adlos running at the, the group and then Michael and Datu and Tanya all hop onto the helicopter and fly away to safety. That would be so Hollywood. I think. <laughs> oh, that that would be amazing for the for the future movie movie version of We're Alive. She's got to have like a cigar, like a belt of ammo strapped across her chest. It'd be awesome. Well, yeah. I forgot to say before. Oh, I, go ahead. I can't. I I really believe that Tanya and Sol aren't gonna meet up again. I think Tanya's probably going to cark it during this fight would, sometime she, soon. We're, we're going to get to a list of people that we think live or die a little bit later. Um, but yeah, I think that she's probably on the short list of people that don't survive because we're starting to... We'll get to that. I'll, we'll get to that. Um, in reference to who is stealing the SWAT van, um, there's the theory that Scratch is the one that is doing that and Lockwood Alex posted, you better start running because I have an armored <laughs> truck and road rage. Um, and yet another bloody cheek. Well, my van is locked and loaded. <laughs> In reference to Chapter 5 when we first meet her. So, good callbacks for members. And this one was just terrible. This is an awful, awful pun. Uh, Scuba originally posted, maybe it's a competition for scarce resource food, which we covered about the zombies at um, the colony. Ink wants to feed his little ones. Randy wants uh, some high-quality fuel for his big boys. When the van tried to roll out, it was like a ringing the dinner bell for the zombie cafeteria. And Fred Rum, who we just introduced ourselves to from the forum, said, and they're serving Saul's very steak. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I missed that. That <laughs> I, That's painful. It's painful, but it's fucking awesome. And I didn't see that until I was going back through to find forum posts to talk about today. And I saw that, and I didn't get a chance because I was running a little bit behind. Uh, Fred Rum, you're getting rep from me as soon as I get off the air right now from, for this. Yeah, I've just been desperately wrecking my mind to think up another one and, and it's obviously too soon for Angel Food Cake. But, um... ah, <laughs> it is never too soon for Angel Food Cake. <laughs> uh, we're going to hell. Um, runs for the heck of it. Also new member. 
not to get all girly, but welcome. Yes, welcome. Um, not to get all girly, but ee. I can't get that high. I couldn't have uh, <laughs> been more excited to listen to this episode while I was shovel when I shoveled a mouthful of buffalo chicken into my mouth. Good for you. Uh, oh boy, Ink's back and he's going all stratego on everyone's ass. Okay, I can't wait. Oh, one more week. Wait, there's three more weeks. Get the damn chopper fixed, fly to the colony, save Bert, Saul, Lizzie, Victor, and then get the keys and relax on the beach with a couple of six-packs. That seems like probably not <laughs> a very likely theory to how this story is going to end this season. Um, but yes, uh, definitely, I love the fact that... I love the fact that Ink is back. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's been a lot of sort of quiet time with just the um, Inklings around, so it's quite... It's, Interesting to get everyone else back, and we can see how much they've, they've developed. I mean, we're starting to see now they really are becoming intelligent. So I think this is where it's going to come out. We're going to see what they've developed, how the communication has progressed. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, everything. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. I'm, I'm so looking forward to the fest. It's going to be amazing. I'm lots of fun. Um, Litmaster says, prediction time. Since Michael didn't hear the part about Saul's transmission about being uh, under attack, Michael will still assume the colony is safe, well, at least not being overrun by zombies like Erwin is. So, Michael and a small crew, Muldoon, uh, Robbins, Tanya, Carl, Hope, Riley, and Datu, uh, will take off with the Pelican, headed for uh, the colony with RoboThing. Uh, since the base is overrun anyway, they use the RoboThing is moot, so they'll just keep it on board. Crew will fight out of the colony, find it is under siege. Michael will come up with a scheme using the RoboThing. What the fuck is his name? It's called Cody. Killing Ordnance uh, Deployment Initiative. Weehaw. Well done. <laughs> Damn army. Cody is so much cooler. You just call it Cody. No yeah. no acronym associated. Just Cody. Um, the Michael will come up with a scheme to use that to, to use the Cody to draw off and blow up the behemoths. The other behemoths will have been taken on by Bert, who will leap off the colony wall onto one of their back pipe bomb clutched in his <laughs> teeth. Then will jam the bomb into the monster's eye socket and drive it to si- and dry- dive to safety right before its head blows off, because that's totally realistic. <laughs> something bad. Something bad would do. It. Back in his prime, I reckon. Abs- uh, yeah, back in his prime, absolutely. I think he's gonna have a hard time holding on right now with uh, without an index finger. Yeah, because that's 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 where all your gripping power comes from is your index finger, of course. You like fish, you fish hook the zombie with your index finger. <laughs> oh, it might be he might be able to sort of wrap his legs around him. I'm I'm pretty sure he's got sort of um, Chuck Norris thighs that he can you know hold oh, he, on tight. He may have, but then they didn't feed him for four months, so I don't know if he's got Chuck Norris. Oh uh, yeah, he, he doesn't yeah. have much of Chuck Norris left in him. Um, the colony people together with the chopper and air support will repel the zombie invaders and there will be a reunion at the colony. Tanya will have to amputate CJ's leg, which I'm... Oh, right. Replacing it with a long silver stiletto heel uh, for badass effect <laughs> with a roller skate on the bottom. What? Litmaster does this every once in a while and goes a little bit crazy. Um, he goes on to list a few more things um, and says, okay, kind of petered out at the end there, but most of this stuff is solid. Um, so yes. Smokeified Zombie put forward a list of the people he thinks is going to die, or she, also a new member of the forum. Again, welcome to the forum. So, now that we know that we are headed for Clusterfuck, um, who lives and who dies? So I'm going to give you a name, and you tell me if you think they're going to live or die. Starting with, Bert. I reckon he's going to live. Live. Live? Okay. Consensus, live. I also agree, live. Uh, Victor. I hope he lives. Yeah, I'm... Ooh, we're not quite as confident. 
I'm only like seventy percent that he'd live. Seventy percent. Okay, so let's say basically a one in three chance that he dies. Uh, I don't. I don't want it to happen, but ah, poor Victor. <laughs> okay, so that seems to be a one third, and oh my god, he's gonna die. Um, I'm torn as well, but I'm. I, I'm. I may have to lean to Victor dying. Uh, there. I know. I I don't feel I don't feel happy about it. I'm not very confident in saying that yeah. he's gonna die. But man, it just seems like if he's gonna go, we've been we've been dying for like Bert to go in a blaze of glory, or if Victor's gonna go, we want him in a blaze of glory. Dude, there's about to be plenty of chances for blazes of glory. Yeah. Um yeah. it it's gonna it someone's gonna go in a blaze of glory. Uh and I think Victor is probably as as solid a guess as we have. Uh what about Saul? No way. No. Not I can't see him dying now. Now that not that they're back together and the baby's on the way. Yeah. Just in, they've got to set up the house, they've got to get the baby furniture, get it all right, paint the room. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Um yeah, I agree. I uh Saul. No. No Saul. Saul Saul has to live because Saul has given us very, very recently Saul has given us narrative perspective, so if you want to cheat and think of it that way, Saul's not dying. Um, what about Puck? Ooh. I think Puck will come through. I think we, we're we going to get a bit more. He's going to um, sort of become, you know, if, if Kimmet doesn't survive this, then, you know, Puck and Michael running the show. Puck's become one of my... I'm really liking him at the moment, especially with his, like, little quips, you know, out Falcon standing and stuff like that. Yeah. I really, really yeah. don't want to see him go. So, um, yeah, he's definitely staying alive. I am going to say I'm 50-50 on Puck, because Puck is the, to me, Puck is the kind of character that, uh... Kind of a red shirt that would give, like, a slight an emotional response from the audience. Maybe, kind of type maybe. Deal. I'm trying to think, like, um, you know Blackhawk, I think it was Blackhawk Down, the guy that kept getting shot after, like, he was on the street being shot, and he just stood up and was like, ah, motherfucker, and he just kept shooting her. Maybe it's Saving Private Ryan, one of the two. Um... Where that sort of thing, and the guy doesn't survive, but he goes down absolutely fighting and just absolutely pissed off that he's been put in this situation where he's about to die. Yeah, that's kind of how. If Puck is going to go, I think it would be this chapter, and I think it would be like that. Um, if he doesn't, then I don't know where the character yeah. goes. Um, the next person on this list here is uh, Rogers, which I think we meant Robbins. Yes, we meant Robbins. Uh, so specialist Anthony Robbins, the Blackhawk Gunner. He's nah. yeah, I reckon he he's too much of a kind of just like a side character. I, I can easily see him got passing on this one, going away. Uh, he could. I think that if he's going to, if it depends on the way that the story is structured. If Robbins is going to die, it's going to be after we leave in the Pelican to go to the colony. I think he would make it that far, and then he might die. Um. That would be my guess, at least. So, yeah, I'm gonna give him a bet. I'm gonna give him a better than fifty-fifty chance of surviving. Personally, I think he might last a little bit longer. Um, little Private Carl, the one we all know and love, and his call and response stuff. Uh, I can see, I can, I can see both ways. Like, I can see him having like not a, not a blaze of glory death, but just a, you know, a little bit of fight in him. But then again, I can see him yeah. going throughout the rest of the show, just as the kind of set, like the 
happy, calm, not happy, but, you know, the calm centre of the group, keeping everyone in check. Well, he's over with Tanya right now. Uh, yeah, he's you know? he's on the yes. run. He's on the run with Michael right now. Yeah. So, um, I mean, one thing there is, if you know, if Tanya doesn't make it, then she could pass on her thoughts. Um, because I mean, that's one thing that we, if Tanya goes down, we, you know, are they going to take her notes and stuff with them? So she could quickly pass something to, um, you know, say something to Carl or something to carry on. So I, you know, I think maybe one of them needs to go, needs to survive. I would say, personally, I think that Carl is the type of character that if he's going to go down, he'd be someone to get picked off really early in the season finale, I think. Because uh, he's on the run, and that would leave Michael and yeah. Tanya to fend for themselves and not have any other support. Um, at least that's the way I see it, but again. Um, as for Tanya and the information, well, let's just, let's just uh, we'll skip around the list then, because uh, Tanya's a little further down. Uh, what about Tanya? Does Tanya survive? I, th- I think the information is key. We don't have She's been listening to that information. That was built in. We, we heard a lot of that. So we have to get that information somehow. But as I said, you know, maybe she says something to Carl or Michael if she does, you know, get killed. But otherwise, we need that information. I, I, as I said before, I had Tanya Pegg to die next this episode. Mm. But I think, thinking about the information, I'm reckoning she won't die this episode. And... She'll, but she'll be able to. She'll pass on that information, not through like book, like we got with um, Kalani, because that would be, mm-hmm. you know, repeating the same deal. Everyone reading over Tanya's notes. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to um, see her tell the information know. and then not meet Sol. Yeah. Do you guys get the Walking Dead uh, TV series down yonder way? Okay. We've only just started season three. Okay, then you've already got to this point. Then I can tell this. Um, it could very well be like if you and spoilers for those who haven't list, watched the first season of The Walking Dead. I'm not going to tell you what was said in the conversation, but I'm going to tell you something that happens at the end of season one. Um, so skip ahead 30 seconds. Uh, again, Rick was given information by the dude at the CDC um, about that, but it was a quick whisper, and that was it. If Tanya is able to get that information out in a quick whisper and say, you know, I have learned this about it and this is what you really need to know, that's enough. Yeah. And she can die at yeah. that point. Because then at that point, then we have the notes and then we don't have to necessarily see Michael going over it. We can just get the Cliff's notes version. Um, so back yeah. to the character list. Riley. She's she's safe for me. I can't even I, see I would agree. going down. I agree. Yeah, she's been off, off screen for a wee bit now except for the little interlude with Michael. So... Um, and you know she's on a bit of a downer now, so I don't think I don't think we're going to see Riley go in such a off position. I think she needs to come back to her original awesomeness. All right, um, I'll say Michael's on the list, but I don't think that he's up for grabs. So let's just all say that that's a sweep. He lives. Um, I'm going to not include Pegs because we she's presumed dead right now anyway. Uh, and the same no. with Kelly. Presumed, my dear. Presumed. I presume she is dead. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. Live on in my heart. I can see when we finally when we finally find out about Kelly and Pegs, which I hope we do, as everyone does. Yeah. Um I can see one of them, one of them being perfectly all right, and then the other being 
great, like mortally wounded in some way, shape or form. Like maybe they were bitten or scratched or whatever. And I don't know, they just found that way. And then, you know, got two minutes yeah. left and then they're dead type deal. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Um, maybe. Um, or do we all agree that Lizzie survives? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Datu and Hope. I'm putting them together because they're inseparable. I, I, yeah, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna survive, um, and not not on their own. Um, I think they're gonna be coming away with with the group. Mm. They're at the Pelican. They would be going with a crew on the Pelican. They're gonna be with people. Yeah. They're they're probably going to be fine. I think. Yeah, I can't see okay. anything bad happening to Hope until we find out about the surgery on her eyes. Yeah, that, there's that, and I think that Datu survives at least midway through to the season, or all, maybe all the way through, who knows. He, he um, is resourceful. Yeah, the, he is very He's the king <laughs> of resourcefulness. Um, but, you know, he's the type of character that once it becomes he becomes too helpful, uh, he needs to be taken away, because you can't have your heroes being helped all the time. They have to be able to do it themselves, slash, blah, take... They have to not have people helping them all the time. Yeah. Um, so that's that's where I feel that Datu is going to outlive his resourcefulness is when he gets to the point that he tries to do something that he's really not capable of and he may die because of it. Right. Um, CJ, one leg, hop along. Does she survive? If if the zombies I, I make it into the colony, it, but... I'd say she's gone. But otherwise, I say she's alive. Yeah, I'm. As I said, I'm torn torn with this. It's an interesting thing to be able, you know, not just to have someone with needing an amputated leg, but to get someone out of an area with an amputated leg, depending on where the chopper lands, if they can get her on, yeah. um, and Tanya's there, then, you know, maybe she comes to the next place and helps them build it up, you know, works with Michael or something, but if there's no chopper, I don't see her making it. I mean, if they can, if they get the, the SWAT van back into the colony and they can secure it, then yes, okay, she's got a way to get out. Um, I am unclear as to how that uh, situation would go if Lizzie's in the back of the SWAT van, and so is CJ. Um, <laughs> if CJ if CJ finds her way back to her katana, there may not be, <laughs> there may be a very bloody mess and some traumatized children in the back of that van. Um, okay, it up the front. Don't make me pull this car over, you two. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll turn back around. Oh my God, anything but that. Keep going. Um, what about Kimmet? I hope he dies. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that, I, I, I think that he's, hope he's gone. I can't. I think that he is not long for this. Yeah, I can't. I hope he dies, but I don't know. I can't see him dying. I can see him sticking around just to piss us off even more for a few more chapters. I, I don't see him being able to survive outside of Irwin. Personally, I don't think that he's got a place in the story after Irwin goes. I, I could maybe see him saying, I'll stay to blow the nuke if you know if it's not a mobile detonator. Yeah. Um true. you know, for the greater good. That I, I could can... actually see him being the guy to take the fall. Yes, I that think. I I can see him that within his character to, to take the fall for everyone else. Although I think that he's gonna to want to do it well before everyone else wants him to do yes. it. As yes. has been proven before. Um we already talked about Tanya, Pete and Glenn. I'll actually separate it out. Pete first. Now, where, where what's the situation with Pete? Where exactly is he? I'm confused on that. He's he was kept in the holding pen. He was, room but then they area. then they got uh, mildly attacked. So I don't know where he is right now. Whether he's 
I'd assume he's somewhere inside the colony. Possibly detained. If not, then he's in the colony and he's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I think Victor said he had to stay in the, the holding sort of area. So unless they've decided he's not going to turn or anything like that, I'm guessing he's you know out with a gun. Um, he's a plucky guy, that Pete. Yes, he is. I, yeah. I, yep. I, I believe that uh, uh, Pete is going to cause a lot more problems than he is worth and he's going to turn. Um, and that's going to be a problem for everyone involved that's around him. Um, Glenn, remember, formerly Broken Lake Glenn. I, I think I think Glenn has a lot to do. I think, um, depending on what information we get from Tanya, um, Glenn's going to be maybe pay, play a big part in starting, you know, communication back up. I, I don't know. I mean, this is way future sort of thing. But, yeah, I think he's got a bit of life left in him, the old guy. <laughs> I th- he may have a little bit of life in him, but isn't enough to get him through one more 50-minute chapter of We're Alive. Hmm. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm the opposite. Like, with the sat phone, have, with the chip have broken up and him, him saying that there's no way to fix it, I'm thinking he's outlived his usefulness. I outlived agree. His part. I agree with you. I think that he is... I think he served his purpose to start a new part of the storyline and that Irwin's going to get to the colony and then beyond that. Um, man, he's he's too concerned about his safety and people that overthink things get in trouble because they're not paying attention to smaller details uh, or I don't know that's not the best explanation but I feel like he's so concerned about being safe that it's going to kill him yeah um do we give Muldoon the same chance to survival as Robbins or no because they're sort of joined at the hip yeah yeah okay I I would agree uh we all Kelly fits in the same group as Peg so I'm not going to list her either uh so now to our two favorite maulers Scratch and Tardust who I will also lump together because um, I don't think we're going to see them. I think they're gone for now. Yeah, I reckon there's no way that they're going to be dead. They're definitely Yeah, they're not dead, but they're they're not going to come back into the middle of Zombageddon. They won't be back until next season. Yeah, they are are well gone. They're not coming back. Uh, For now, obviously, again. They may come back later. So here's... uh, We've gone... Very, very, very longer than I was anticipating. Although, at the same time, part of this time was left because I left to go check on the baby. Um, so I'm going to skip over a couple of these posts I was going to talk about. Scuba, who is also a new uh, forum member, posted the idea... Or, sorry, Undead Sweeper asked the question, excuse me, do you think the zombies will go crazy if Randy is killed? Um... And Scuba said, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember where we might have seen an instance of a zombie organization where the leader gets whacked. Can't think of one off the top of my head. The reason you can't is I don't think it happened. Yeah. Um, but do you think, you know, sort of like, uh, if you think like to the fifth element, you know, the those big ugly creatures wouldn't uh, negotiate without a leader. Do you think the zombies are capable of functioning without having the one with the markings, or Randy calling the shots. Well, from the at the beginning of the season, yeah, you know, we heard um like when um Angel, Michael, and Saul were trapped in the army base, and mm-hmm. they saw the was it the the commander or captain yep. or someone standing outside looking like he was information. I'm pretty sure that there wasn't a Ink or a Randy out there. Right, but then you saw that those were very disorganized zombies, and they were just running and chasing things and like yeah. like going after sounds like the ones with the scars in the very very first chapter that 
bypassed Michael and attacked the guy that was honking his horn. Yeah. Um, you know, they had the basic survival instinct, like, oh, I'm jumping over the desk to get away from the bullets, or, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, there was, you know, there were zombies in the tower in Chapter 2. Yeah. They didn't kill everyone. But yeah. it, then in Dunbar, Ink gets in, brings his horde, kills everybody except for CJ. You know, there there's a different level of sophistication when the one with the markings, or even Randy, you know, Randy set up a distraction and went and go to kidnap Tanya. You know, there's a different sophistication level that's there, so would they become the mindless horde again if they lost their yeah. leader? I, I see getting rid of Randy and Ink as the beginning of the end. You know, that's going to be the key to if we win this battle, they're, they're the targets to take out. Um, after that, you know, that's sort of where, you know, depending on where we leave off. But if we if get rid of those, you know, it's a bit more clean up. It's a bit more like, you know, going to Barstow and throwing out Cody and, you know, not blowing, mowing them all down. James, any thoughts? Um, yeah, I, you, yeah, I do actually reckon you've swayed me. I do reckon that they would be just a horde return, again. Return to the mindless horde again? Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we've never we've never really seen it, but what we've seen without a leader there, they just run and attack things. Maybe that's what would happen. Um, uh, Victor on the forum, Z Sniper, you know him, you love him. He posted a picture as uh, about the SWAT van, uh, <laughs> which is which is fucking hilarious. You have to go find it. Um, I don't know what chapter it is on. I know it is post number 233 in there, so it's probably around page 23 of the discussion. Um, it's a picture of a unicorn in a van saying, no time to explain, get in the fucking van. Um, so I, that's his interpretation of what's going on. Yeah. And um, it's, a, it's as good a theory as what has been posted on the forum. <laughs> Just generally speaking. Um, yeah, I love that picture. It's amazing. It, it was fantastic. That's pretty much it. We've covered what, who we think is going to live and die. We've covered some predictions on how we think this whole season finale thing might go. Man, is there anything else? Is there something that we didn't cover that you wanted to cover? I, I was just thinking. Um, so I'm assuming other people's beliefs is that Michael knows Randy from when he was apart from the group, when he broke his arm right. and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking that this is for the two different factions of zombies theory. I'm thinking that maybe Randy was still a zombie, was a zombie at the time, and he was, he helped Michael out and maybe, I don't know, told him to go to the arena. Like, you know, extremely far-fetched, but how else did the group know about the arena? Because Michael didn't see them going there and Michael didn't see Datu and Angel and Riley go to the arena. I'm guessing when he got out though he would have gone back to the tower and the tower would say these guys aren't back so they went out to look and as they got further and further away you know the next place to try is the arena. Now because the tower didn't have the tracking device what's very interesting and what I had never considered and my mind is slightly melted right now so excuse me if I can't form thoughts correctly um michael said when the, when they were found at the arena said how did you find us and michael said they had help yeah. michael 
found them, and if the tower didn't know where they were going, maybe Randy was that help. If there's a warring faction going on, that would actually be a really cool explanation, is that Randy knew about it, and Randy knew about the arena and sent Michael there to go rescue his friends. That'd be a very, 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 very interesting wrinkle. Yeah. It would also be really, really, really far-fetched. <laughs> but it's a really cool it, idea. That's getting into Tata's Dead Crackpot Theory area. Yes, this is definitely inside of Tata's Dead Crackpot uh, arena. This this totally belongs to him. Cupcake, do you have anything that you wanted to cover else from the episode before I start doing news and notes stuff? No, I don't think so. I think it's, yeah, all pretty good. Yeah. I think we've covered everything. For those of you who are probably, like, I would say 99.9% of the listeners of We're Alive, this is for you. If you didn't listen all the way through the credits this week, go back, listen to the ending. Because there's something really awesome hidden at the end of the chapter. It's not We're Alive related, so don't get um, that excited (laughs) about it. Um, If you ever wanted to know what your wedding proposal would sound like coming out of the mouth of Michael Swan, go listen after the credits. Um, a, a guy named Connor proposed to Gabriella through We're Alive. And that is awesome. And the yeah. more awesome yes. is she said yes. So, Connor and Gabriella, if you were listening to I, this particular I was, podcast, congratulations in, to both of you. Yeah, incredibly jealous. It way beats the way I was proposed to. Hands down. The, wow. the, the only voice I can picture being better than Michael Swan would be the narrator from the game Bastion. Okay, so now now I'm curious. Uh, Cupcake Zombie, if you tell me your story, I'll tell you my story of how I proposed. How did you get proposed to? If you want to tell. If you don't, you don't have to. Yeah. It's okay. It was um, on my birthday, and my husband had, or my partner at that stage, had, um, had the box sitting on his bedside table hidden in inverted commas, and I was cleaning up and um, for a box here, so I'd looked in, so I knew something was coming. He proposed to me on my birthday, which was amazing, mm-hmm. um, sort of first thing in the morning. Um, so, yeah, it was really cool, but I, I sort of knew it was coming, and it didn't come at Christmas, so I was like, oh, yes, my birthday morning, so. But it was very, it was really nice, and um, what was really funny was my um, we went and had my birthday with my family, um, we went for a drive to go to this carnival thing, and all like for uh, probably probably less than half the day, but it felt like half the day. Um, I was sort of waiting for my mum to notice my hand, and she didn't. So I had to like wave my hand in front of her. <laughs> I, th- I thought you women were in tune to those sorts of things. Oh, mum! Mum said afterwards she was like, "I was I was going to check your hand as well. I I, I thought something might that like this might be happening, but she didn't look." <laughs> Uh, James, are you married? Do you have a story to tell? Or? Uh, I have no story. I'm only 21. So, I've got a, what got are a few you waiting w- for, we young man? Yeah. Don't you know the world's ending in a month? I'm, make, I'm making my moves. <laughs> okay. Right, right. Um, Laying the groundwork. Yeah. So, I, pro- I promise my story. The, my the, story. This podcast is going to help. Oh, yes, so absolutely. Uh, here, James's phone number is. Um,. <laughs> So uh, my my story of it was um, I proposed on Christmas. Um, I was I had quit smoking at the time. 
and then fell off the wagon and back on and back on, blah, 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 blah. But I quit smoking, and uh, my in-laws smoked, and we were coming over for Christmas dinner and all these other Christmas festivities, and I had bought, like, an electronic cigarette, and was like, oh, hey, I forgot this. I need to go back in, because if your mother's cigarette smoking gets to me, I want to have this around. And then I hung an empty ring box on the tree, and then I had it in my pocket, because I had been on tour at the time, so I bought the ring on tour, came back home for Christmas. At the same t- night, I had to ask her parents' permission and then go propose later that day. Oh, jeez. Um, so I was like, this is going to happen really fast. Um, and so it worked, and then was I told my now wife, it's like, hey, why don't you go turn on the tree when we got home? Um, and it was like dead center. And I made sure that all the lights around it were going to illuminate this one point, because I'm a lighting geek, too. Oh, nice. Um, so I tried to illuminate the box, and she... <laughs> She had been so mad that she, because she thought, oh, if he's going to propose, he's going to propose like Christmas morning when we're unwrapping presents or whatever. And I was like, no, I have a better plan in mind. Um, So she was resolving herself that I was going to go back on the road for like another six months uh, touring and that she was going to resolve herself to not being engaged at that point. Um, And I was like, you missed it. She's like, what did I miss? And I turned around and she picked up the empty box and was like, Oh my God! If there isn't a ring somewhere on your person right now, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, which there was. I had, I, ah, that is amazing. I had to po- I had to pocket the ring because um, her dad has been known to um, say things that he's not supposed to talk about on occasion. So I was like, okay, well, if I ask his permission, then he goes out and goes, guess what's going to happen to you later? Um, I had to have the ring there, so I was going to have to propose in front of her whole family instead. So, um, all right. So the ring so was, was intentionally that. in your pocket. The ring was intentionally there. It was intentionally there because, again, I was prepared in case I had to propose on a whim uh, because I was forced to. Um, so now that we've um, revealed lots of stuff about ourselves, uh, once again, the We're Alive finale, Wednesday, December 5th. Not Wednesday, December 8th. It does not exist. It probably won't exist for probably another three years. How how um, how, how was that mistake made? You know, I don't know. I didn't ask Casey because he was so mad about it that I didn't want to ask him to see what happened. <laughs> Um, the re- honestly, the real reason I'm going to guess is that we had, uh, Casey and I talked about this last week and if my calendar would go, I would tell you, oh yeah. Okay. We were down to two days as options, Saturday, the eighth or Wednesday, right. The fifth. So he ended up going for both mixing and ma- he ended up mixing and matching. I think is what ended yeah. up happening to him. Um, Seems like a good plan. Yeah. So, he split the audience, and now no one's going to be able to listen. Um, Again, Wednesday, December 5th, starts at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to zombiepodcast.com. The live stream will be there. We will start at around 6 o'clock with the We're Not Dead pre-show, one hour with Brittany and myself. Um, Hopefully, um, some members of the cast, maybe. I'm not sure how that's going to work. We have to sort of iron that plan out. Um, Live free show, one hour show half hour after show. Um, so set aside that block of time on your Wednesday night, December 5th. December 5th, Wednesday, 6 o'clock Pacific time. If you need to know the time conversion, um, I don't know. Go to go to Google. Google your time zone versus yeah. Pacific. It's really simple. That's how I figured out that I was going to be talking to you guys in the afternoon on Saturday when it's Friday at like 10 o'clock here. So there's that. Um, yeah, if you have questions for us, Email me, we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can talk to me on Twitter. Um, you can talk to Britt on Twitter, Britt5091. Uh, I am at Nick Voodoo, N I K V O O D O O. 
the Twitter podcast is WND Podcast. The We're Live Twitter is We're Alive. Um, Zombiepodcast.com, Twitter's email. James, where can people find you on the World Wide Web if you want to let them know where? Oh, once again, I, mean, I you, haven't said you much because it's a weird name to call someone, but on the forum, I'm Devilish Pizza. That's and, a wonderful uh, name. People can always hit me up from that. But apart from that, I'm not really on Twitter, but you know, okay. I play a lot of Xbox, so if anyone wants to jam that a little bit, I'm too easy. T O O space E A S Y one two. Too easy twelve. Yeah, if anyone wants okay. to hit you know, play some Halo or anything, I'd be well down to do that. Perfect. Cupcake Zombie. Obviously you are one of our uh forum moderators, you're there all the time. Where yeah. else can people find you if you want to let them know? Um, so I'm on Twitter somewhat. It's not, yeah, not as big in New Zealand as it seems to be over there for you guys. But I'm cup- I'm at Cupcake Zombie NZ. Um, someone else already had Cupcake Zombie. Bitch, um, kill on Twitter, them. so I'm trying to get on there more. Trying to use it. Yes. Um, otherwise, use on the forums. Um, and just want to say hello to my friend Sarah. She'll love it. She'll listen later. Hello, Sarah. <laughs> um so again that's that's the that's pretty much uh this podcast again um the streaming live finale of season three and then we're off for a long time yeah. we're it's off for like, like eight nine months, months. Or something, nine months in theory something. yeah we're it's it's in theory until september Oof. uh just so you know we are uh we are planning on doing cast interviews uh, in the downtime, um, not as frequently as we do the podcast, although you can argue we do this infrequently too, uh, and you would be right. The only consistent thing about this podcast, it is completely inconsistent. The... Uh, and I mean, you guys get paid so much to do this, Nick. Oh yeah, I get I get paid in grief and anger. Um, and love from, <laughs> from people saying, where's the podcast? Yeah. Um, and, and on a sad note, we do have to wish a happy trails. Uh, to the to one of the religions of we're not dead, uh, we've talking of the flying spaghetti monster here, um, and we now have to uh, wish a fond farewell to the religion of Twinkie the Kid, because Hostess Cupcakes is going out of business again for like the third time in a decade. Um, so Twinkie the Kid, uh, I raise a banana pudding, horrible spongy cake death to you, <laughs> and we I only think... we only really get them over here, and they cost like. $4 a Twinkie, so... Oh, they cost like 99 cents a two-pack here, and they're terrible. They, I think that they like recycle the same ones from the World War II era over and over again. They just pull them off the shelf, repackage them, and put a new date on it. <sighs> and then you eat it, and you go, oh, that's fucking terrible and horrible and no good, very bad. Hostess cupcakes, on the other hand, are amazing. But Twinkies um, are vile. I happen to like Twinkies. Jerk. So, on that weird... Uh, demise of Twinkie the Kid reference. Um, I think that's it. So for Cupcake Zombie and for James, a.k.a. Devilish Pizza, and for Bees, uh, thanks for listening, and we're out. Ciao!